0: What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. First of all, I want to welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining with us. And before we get started, today's a special episode, and we'll get all into that. But before we get started, of course, you know my plea and my ask every time we do an episode, and that's if you could take a second and give us a five-star review, it would be greatly appreciated. We're trying to get to 100 reviews before the end of the year, and we're almost there. We're at 93, and I know a lot of people have been asking, how do I do this? You can go to iTunes. You can go look us up at Must Read Alaska and give us a review right there. And if, hey, I know some of you are like the next step or an extra mile type of person. If you are that, you can go ahead and take another minute and give us a written review. We've read all the written reviews. They've been overwhelmingly positive. And we just really appreciate our readers, our listeners, and our supporters. Without you guys, this would not happen. And we just want to make sure that we let you know we truly appreciate you. So just take a second, give us a five-star review. Or if you want to, go ahead and go that extra mile, give us a written review, and we'll make sure we read those. And uh, again, we appreciate all the feedback. It has been overwhelmingly positive. So thank you very much. Well, today is the 100th episode of the podcast. It's a milestone here at Must Read Alaska. This, uh, this podcast started in August of 2020, and it was the brainchild of John Quick and Suzanne Downing. And uh, I just, I'm just i writing the coattails as we speak, and it's fun. But uh, we're at the 100th episode, which is a huge milestone. So I asked if uh, Suzanne would be willing to jump on and talk today. And Suzanne, what do you think? 100 episodes.
1: Well, surely you have something like an applause button or something, cheers or oh, yeah. fireworks or something that that we can throw in here. Actually, it's been a lot of fun. I've done a lot of growing during this process because podcasting is new to me. And I've done a lot of radio shows and that type of thing. But but having your own podcast is that's a big responsibility, and when we sort of took it on, I said, "Look, I don't have a lot of time for this, but it has been the kind of thing I look forward to every week." So, and I really appreciate all you've done to make it possible. You're immensely talented at this. You've got a great radio voice, by the way, and <laughs> and and you're always um, your podcast when you're doing it during the week are always really interesting. So, it, I'm glad that you suggested that we go from Monday and then we stretch it out for the week. So, how many are we kind of hitting every week now? About four a week.
0: Yeah, we're we're steady on four. We're we're trying to make it sure it's five, but we've hit four. And and listen, the the listeners have been overwhelming in this too. I mean, I've shared some of the numbers with you, but we're October's trending to be our best month ever, and we're almost closing in at seventy five hundred downloads for the month. So it's just been really uh, really exciting to see how uh, not only we've grown, but also our audience, which is awesome because uh, that's what we're here for. We're here to give a full. Well-rounded view of the news, not just the liberal narrative, which we get a lot, including some of the stuff we talked about off recording. But, uh, but what I want to ask you today is Nick Baggich had a, had, a, had a nice little opener today in the Valley and uh, talked about him running and, and making this official. And, and so uh, what I'm really curious about, because you have so much knowledge that I, you'll forget more than I'll ever know. Tell me a little bit about what you see, kind of the landscape of him making this announcement um, obviously, there's a there's a lot of excitement, but also Don Young has been such a staple here in Alaska. I'd love to hear your kind of analysis of this whole thing.
1: Well, I am actually pretty excited to see Nick announce because we are in an era now where we have ranked choice voting, and if you're conservative, you don't want Don Young to be on that ballot with three other Democrats or th- uh, you know a, two Democrats and a and an undeclared. If you you wanna conservative result out of this race, then you've gotta have a couple conservatives because remember, ranked choice voting next November is going to be, who do you pick for your first choice? Who do you pick for your second choice? So Nick Begich gives all Alaskans a choice between Don Young and Nick Begich. And maybe maybe the Democratic party will put up a candidate. Maybe somebody will show up from the Libertarians. And if they're on the ballot, there'll be four people on the ballot next November. You'll get to rank who you want. And at this point in Don Young's life, it's probably good that the conservatives have somebody kind of waiting in the wings. And quite honestly, Nick Begich is making a really strategic move here. If he doesn't win this time, he will become well-known all over the state and he'll win next time. So he's playing his cards right on this. He is a baggage, and of course, that is, that takes a little bit of getting used to for those of us who have grown up in Alaska and who are conservative, who've had uh, Democratic baggages um, in the news all of our lives. And Scott, he's not the Democratic baggage. He, is, he was raised by Republicans. His dad is a libertarian. He has very, very strong kind of libertarian leanings, and um, he's also a Christian. He lives in Chugiak. He's been involved in... Republican Party politics for quite some time. He's on the board of the Alaska Policy Forum. So for Don Young, who is getting up there in years, I believe he's 88 now. He will be um, 89 next year, and then uh, and then in 23 he'll be 90. He is not getting any younger. We've got to start, you know, readying the new generation to take over. Like it or not, we all end up the same. The same. We all end up under the ground, right? And um, so it's just, it's great to see a new generation come up. And I've known Nick for a long time. I really believe that he is a genuine person. He's a businessman. got a brilliant business mind. And he's very pro-business, which I think for Alaska, that's important.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, just that last statement right there, you wrote an article that uh, Alaska is 55 out of 95 when it comes to the um, the ease of starting a business in this city. Uh, particularly Anchorage, I believe too. Yeah, it was so,
1: Anchorage.
0: Yeah, so uh, I think it's great. Um, I agree with you. I think at some point the baton has to be passed, and obviously with uh, Don Young getting up in age and Nick not not just having the experience and the brain. I mean, he, he's an extremely intelligent dude, but also the fact that he he has worked with with Don in the past, yeah. and and so he has that experience, and I think he's a great successor to Don Young and. And so I'm really excited about this. I've had the opportunity to meet meet Nick a, a couple of times, and I mean, you just think three things: sharp, smart, and going somewhere. And, and so, going somewhere,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so today I, was his announcement in Wasilla, and and yeah. so he, he he booked a a conference room in a hotel. He told the folks out in Wasilla several months ago. They said, "Are you going to run? Are you going to run?" Because remember, he was the co-chair, honorary co-chair of the Don Young campaign in 2020, did mm-hmm. a great job, he traveled all over the state, and um, while he was meeting people in the valley, they, they were scratching their heads, and the conservatives saying, gee whiz, he's, he's a baggage, but he's he's conservative, and then finally, they started warming up to him, and, and I'll tell you, his biggest fan base now is in the Matsu Valley, they love him out there, and uh, so he, he he promised them that if he did announce, he would do so in the valley, and that's what he did today.
0: Well, we always like a guy that keeps his promises, shows good leadership. And uh, well, since we're on the terms of leadership, let's talk a little bit about this Anchorage Assembly meeting last night and uh, what is turning out to be a, a real like fifth grade fight going on between the Assembly and the Bronson administration. And I have to say the the antagonist in this whole thing is the Assembly. They continually are antagonizing the administration, they're antagonizing the general public, particularly those who oppose a lot of the policies and ordinances that they're proposing. And, and to me, this is this screams of just really crappy politics, in my view. It's crappy politics.
1: And yeah, that's a either. that's a technical term. I'm not sure all of our yeah. uh... Listeners have heard that one before, but it's always something new here on Must Street, Alaska. Um, you know, the assembly majority, which is the nine, the Marxist nine, they call them, they really want to get everybody in masks. And they, so they pour, passed an ordinance last week. Everybody in the city has to wear masks, no matter, you know, kind of if you're, there, there, there are exceptions, of course. And they put a bunch of loopholes in there. For instance, the mayor's staff, mayor and his staff, uh, executive staff, don't have to wear masks, but everybody else in the city does. Uh, if you have an exemption for a mental or a physical disability, you don't have to wear a mask. And they asked uh, politely, even when they passed this ordinance, please don't go harassing people. If they're not wearing a mask, let them go. So then last night they passed a rule for their own assembly chambers, which was much more draconian, which was everybody in a mask, 125 people limit in the, in the room for assembly meetings and stay six feet apart, that type of thing. So they are implementing new rules for the assembly that require people to wear masks with no exemptions. And then they looked to the mayor's office and Amy Demboski was there as the city manager sitting in for the mayor who's been quarantined because he was exposed to to COVID. And they wanted her to enforce that. They wanted her to use the police force and the security force of the city to enforce their rule which is more uh, draconian than the ordinance that they passed last week, which was had a lot of loopholes. Uh, Meg Zalatel, she just basically said, uh, there will be no exemptions. There are no exemptions for this one. In this room, there are no exemptions. If you can't wear a mask, if you can't wear a face shield, you just watch from home or you call in on the phone. But um, the, So basically their own rule for their meeting, they're trying to override the ordinance they passed last week and make it more strict and then they want the mayor to arrest people and throw them out well the mayor's not going to do that the mayor's not going to take the police force and have the public thrown out of the public meeting
0: yeah and in that whole night well i should say the whole night the point where they were in session uh was very much a tit-for-tat game trying to get the administration to say something that they could use then later in the future to uh, against them in, in a possible lawsuit like it just seemed like they were trying to bait and go particularly Amy Dabowski in this and she wasn't biting uh, she's a very intelligent person and it was not biting when Forrest had continually repeatedly asked her uh, a question to bait her into saying that she would not enforce the ordinance she said it'll she'll enforce the emergency ordinance as written and I think that's what you do you enforce it to the letter of the quote law and this to me Suzanne, is just. It's becoming almost untenable the way that things are acting. I mean for me this is this is one of those things I look at the what's going on in Anchorage, and I'm thinking, how can people think this is any good? We have a looming uh we're looking at, at setting forth a uh just went out of my head right now a budget yeah and instead of getting to business, we're sitting here trying to bait the administration into something that they can use as a lawsuit. We're trying to prevent the public because we don't like the fact that the public shows up and actually has uh, something to say about what we're doing since they elected us. They don't like that. What they want to do is they want to cut everybody out and just get to what they want to do. And they want everybody to follow their rules regardless. And and I think this has long-term ramifications. I'm not really sure what's going to happen, but I mean, in in your mind, are you hearing um, like, what's the groundswell to this? I mean, we talked about this where it feels like Anchorage is sort of 50-50. I mean, maybe we've been living in a bubble a little bit, thinking that there's more, uh, the majority does not like what's going on, but I'm I'm starting to feel a little unsettled with the fact that maybe people do want this. I mean, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, yeah, and then we talked a little bit about this on the Monday podcast, which is, we can't just assume that just because we believe that the public has a right to attend meetings that other people believe that. I mean, there are a lot of people out there who are are watching CNN, MSNBC, and who are reading the Anchorage Daily News, and they are being fed daily this dose of fear about a virus that has a 99.5% survivability. It is a very harsh virus. It's a tough virus. And and the medical uh, medical establishment has done a very poor job of managing it um, in every in every way. They're pushing the, a vaccine and they're not really working on ways to mitigate symptoms so that people don't have to go to the hospital. Uh, the vaccine is obviously not working. It's uh it's it's made a little bit of a dent, but now that that virus is doing a workaround. But mm-hmm. that's a bunny trail to get to get back to where people are at. People are fearful and they've they're accepting this fear mongering from the assembly there there's the seat of their government from the president and from their the lapdog media
0: yep and th- so
1: i don't I, in anchorage is you got to remember this this uh, city is turned uh, a little bit blue remember we have got rid of all of our oil field jobs and we brought in all of our medical jobs all over the medicaid expansion brought in ten thousand medical workers those people vote differently than oil field workers vote. I promise
0: you, right, and right. that's
1: that's where the city changed, and it's been changing since um, about the Bill Walker era when when he came in and um, started. Um, you know, the oil patch started to decline under him. Right. So, so really, uh, what's going on here is they 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 ended up canceling that meeting last night. They just gabbled out. They couldn't continue because they passed a mass rule that they couldn't enforce. And they realized right. they can enforce it. And poor Chris Constant, who's on the assembly, was just throwing a hissy fit, He's up, <laughs> is gasping for air behind his mask, saying, well, we just need to adjourn. We need to adjourn. Okay, well, we need to continue the meeting to tomorrow. In the meantime, you know that what they're doing is putting together a plan
0: mm-hmm. to try to
1: figure out how to enforce this mandate.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with you. And I think, like you said, there's there's a changing demographic within the working population here in Anchorage, which contributes to this. I do think we've had a little bit of a bubble because we've seen so much turnout for those who def- definitely disagree with the assembly on, on numerous factors. And the fact that yesterday they decided to adjourn because they were having a hissy fit, and it wasn't just Christopher Constant he's just the most vocal and and truly probably the chairman of uh, the chair, excuse me, of he, the uh, he, is, he is the
1: shadow chair. Suzanne LeFranc yeah. has got no control over that meeting. It's all Chris Constant whispering in her ear what to do next, what she I've should never do. Seen. She just follows along with whatever he tells her.
0: Yeah, I mean, if she was playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, she would be phoning a friend all the time. In this instance, so absolutely, it it, it is it is discouraging. But you did touch on something that I think is relevant, Suzanne, and it, and it is relevant because I've been asking this question, and I don't know if Senator. Mike showers was actually listening to the podcast and decided to throw me a bone. But what I've been harping on for the last couple of days, you've been doing a great job of keeping must read Alaska and anybody else who's reading our articles uh, abreast to what the daily count is. And also kind of breaking down. You did a great job yesterday of that for Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember exactly, but you broke down the numbers. and, And I said, listen, outside of what you're doing, when I see numbers on the ADN or on the television, uh, KTU or the Alaska news source, what I'm seeing is just this superficial 36,000 foot level of these numbers, these stats. And what I'm saying is we need more because I've got a feeling just based on the fact of the numbers versus those who are vaccinated in Alaska, period, th- things are not making sense because the narrative has always been whenever we have new cases, they've got to be unvaccinated, right? That's been the narrative. And so I just said, I'd love to know exactly what's going on with these breakthrough cases. Well, Senator Mike showers put out a Facebook post uh, that I grabbed and it's fascinating. So he said this, uh, he was on, um, he was on a zoom call from the health administrators briefing today. And so today was yesterday. And he said, there's some interesting stats. Now, again, I don't know if he was listening to the show and if he was, thank you, Senator showers, but this is some great stats from that zoom call found out that only 18% of the ICU beds in Alaska are being used by COVID patients, okay? Now, when we talk about, when you look at ADN, it'll show you 77%, and my question has always been, well, how many of those are actually COVID patients? Well, Senator Showers found out it was 18%. Let's move on. Only 7% of the ventilators available are currently being used by Alaska's hospitals, which means only 7% of them are being used by patients. doesn't tell you which ones are COVID. And here's the most interesting one. And you did an article, and I've been keeping close track of this. When you wrote your article, you said 16% of all new cases were termed breakthrough cases. And what does that mean for those of you who don't know what breakthrough cases are? Breakthrough cases are cases of those who are fully vaccinated, contracting COVID, and having symptoms. Those are breakthrough cases. Those are positive cases. What he found out yesterday is that has increased to 20% of -hmm. cases are now breakthrough vaccinated people with the Delta variant as opposed to four percent from the original variant, which is the first one, just the, the coronavirus. That yeah. is an well, extraordinary amount of that is a that is a wide gap difference. That's well, let's incredible.
1: talk let's talk about it a little bit because this vaccine yeah. doesn't appear to work very well against the delta variant. And if you look at the charts at the DHSS um, dot website, there's a dashboard there. And that's where I get all the data, I get the state data, which I do believe is incomplete, and doesn't always paint the full picture that we need, which you pointed out. And Scott, um, the the number of breakthrough cases that was from August. But we've got to remember that people did not start getting vaccinated in Alaska until March of 2021. Right? That's that was that was this year. And so of course we're up to 60% that are considered fully vaccinated, at age 12 and above. That's and so we've we've got a pretty good number that's 40% not vaccinated, but 60% vaccinated. You would expect that at first you'd have a few breakthrough through cases because you know your percentage of vaccinated is only going to be. Fifteen percent, twenty percent, but now we're up to sixty percent, and you're going to see more breakthrough cases because you have a higher percentage of vaccinated people. Most right. of the people in Alaska that can be vaccinated are. So yes, you will see that, and you'll see it go up in the September report. You'll see it go up to twenty-three, and and when the October report comes out, and that probably won't come out until December, you'll you'll probably see a lot of breakthrough, and they'll all be Delta variant. So, our knowledge is lagging on this. In other words, we're making decisions for today. And then two months from now, we find out, oh my gosh, this Delta variant is not being whipped by this thing, which is why I say the vaccine solution is not the solution. We're going to know that before the year's out, I believe.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And also, I reported on this a little bit. The lower 48 hospitals now are moving the go posts in terms of what is considered fully vaccinated. Now, hospitals are saying that if you're not taking a booster shot six months after your double shot, Mm -hmm. you are now considered unvaccinated. So my warning has been simple. I know you and I haven't been on the podcast together uh, during the last couple of days. But my warning simple is that the gopost will continue to move as far as those who are in charge want to move it. And that is what we're seeing now. Now we're seeing that the double shot, the fully vaccinated status no longer applies in some hospitals down the lower forty-eight. Because if you miss a six-month booster, you're considered now unvaccinated. And the divide continues. You have the unvaccinated and the vaccinated, the wants and the don't wants.
1: All the goalposts are moving. So I I wrote a story this morning about how the city of Bethel, the city council of Bethel, just, just passed an ordinance that doesn't allow anyone except for meeting officials. In other words, elected officials only may be in city council meetings. And so if you're an elected official or the staff of the, elected official you can be in those meetings but no member of the public can be in those meetings now 3 years ago if i had told you that we were going to be in a situation where you were told by the government that you absolutely had to take a medication shot from uh, you know the, an un, basically an unproven shot this thing's not been on the market for but a year it, you know last year it was just truly experimental and right. full disclosure people I am vaccinated. I have not only shot number one, number two. I've also got the uh, booster shot because in my age group, it's probably more important than in in some people's age group. Let me tell you, if you're a younger person, I'm not. I'm not trying to give you medical advice, but you know, use your head. Don't just go doing everything that the government tells you to do on this. I did it because that was the best judgment I could make at the time, and I don't regret. But I guess my point is, is that they're moving the goalposts in meetings. They're moving the goalposts on the vaccine. And, uh, you know, what we're seeing is, uh, you know, the president is moving the goalpost. Three years ago, I could never have convinced you that you would be forced to take a vaccine to keep a job. I could never have said, hey, Scott, in three years, you're not going to believe this. They're not going to let you attend meetings. They're going to shut you out of city council meetings. You would have thought I was absolutely a lunatic if I told you that three years ago. But here we are.
0: Mm. And and you're absolutely right. Everybody would have thought you were a conspiracy theorist, right. That's right. That's what you've been called. And now, again, the conspiracy theorist has been goalpost, has been moved as well. And so I, I think you're absolutely right. And and I think the fear is, and I think what people are starting to become aware of is, oh, man, I don't know what's truth and what's just made up, right? I don't know what's truth and I don't know what's made up. And as we continue to move down, the, I mean, for crying out loud, the Moderna vaccine is now outlawed in some countries until a certain oh. age because- mm-hmm of its ramifications because we're just learning. We are the experiment. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 30 years old and older can have it, but anybody under 30 can't take a Moderna vaccine, or some of them are 18, I mean, it's amazing. So there is a lot going on. And again, this goes back to leadership or lack thereof. And I think, you know, when you're looking at it at a federal level, national level, if you will, and even at our state and local level, more specifically our local level here in Anchorage is what I'm referring to, the leadership here has been awful awful at least in my opinion and that's just my opinion everybody can have their own but as we look at that one of the things that and we're going to wrap up with this one of the things that was really intriguing to watch this week was how was this recall with meg zealotel going to going to land was this going to be the great pushback of the anchorage uh dissented angry uh disenfranchised individuals or was may going to cruise by like many saw felix do uh during his recall in april uh, and well, I gotta say, this is, uh, this was more of a landslide than Felix's. This oh, was cool. a shellacking.
1: Nice, and,
0: yeah. uh, l- let me just hear your analysis straight out of the bat after seeing the results, after seeing everything, w- what is sort of your analysis on it?
1: Well, we've, we've seen, a, a trend of recalls and this has been a fad lately, ever since Scott Kendall started the recall campaign against governor, um, Mike Dunleavy and, uh, they collected a lot of names and they've done a lot of data mining. That was one of their goals. Just get a bunch of people that they know hate Mike Dunleavy and that'll help them out in the next election to get Bill Walker over the line. And uh, so we know that that one failed. They just could not complete the signature process. In Anchorage the, t- this, this year, um, they tried to recall Felix Rivera off of the assembly. They got the signatures. They got through the court cases. They got it to the ballot and they failed they failed to convince the people of district 4 in anchorage that felix rivera didn't represent them well
0: and, and they were outspent right one, like 9 to 1 um, it was,
1: yes, was enormously the unions came in poured in a lot of money it was uh, 75 85000 to to save him now on this one meg zalatel is a, a equally unattractive assembly member she's very harsh she's very um kind of a she's kind of a nasty person quite honestly i mean you Sorry, I have to say that on the podcast, but she's not a, she's not a nice person. Uh, whereas Felix is actually kind of a nice person. And, but Meg Zalatel, she, she came by um, just, just with blazing colors. So let's take a look at that district. Mm-hmm. This is the district that Representative Harriet Drummond has represented for over a decade, I think, practically a decade. And uh, this is the district that LV Gray Jackson, Senator Jackson represents. She also is hard, hard left. She came up through the assembly. And this is the district that Chris Tuck represents. This is a hard left district. It goes from Rogers Park down to Abbott Loop. It goes over to C Street and up to Spinard to uh, Northern Lights Boulevard. And I tell you, this is not a conservative district. So now you have people thinking they're going to recall uh, Jamie Allard out there in um, Eagle River. Well, let me tell you, good luck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's if you think the past two recalls were ambitious, uh, they love Jamie out there in Eagle River. They appreciate that she provides and represents Eagle River uh, the way she does. So good luck with that. So yesterday on the podcast, what I did is I gave a couple I gave a three part analysis. I gave some of what I would consider conclusions. And I want to run them by you because, like I said, you're, you're kind of the. orbiter of Alaska history and turn politics and you know everything so the first assessment I made of this is is this Alaska Anchorage excuse me Anchorage is no longer a red rose or even purple city it is really a light blue to blue city would you agree with that Uh,
1: yeah I would actually if you let me tell you if you took out uh, Eagle River from Anchorage proper you would have uh, Mayor Force Dunbar. You know, he won He won many districts. So he, he did very well. It was Eagle River that kind of pulled back the vote over to the conservative side. So yes, this is a, a blue city. And if Eagle River exits, well, I tell you, Force Dunbar ought to be the chair of that committee, the Eagle Exit Committee, because <laughs> if he could get rid of Eagle River, he could become mayor.
0: Absolutely. Which leads me to my second point, which is Eagle River is the only part of Anchorage municipality maybe even Chugiak uh, that is keeping what what we're considering any sort of conservatism both on the assembly and in the seat of mayor so the Bronson administration Jamie Allard and and Crystal Kennedy are are, that is because of Eagle River correct would you agree okay yeah and lastly is this and it's it was sort of my last point and also a stark point and in somewhat maybe dismaying is that unless conservatives come out in droves now and actually vote, you are going to continue to see what you have that regardless if you have a conservative mayor and Eagle River represents with Jamie Allard and Crystal Kennedy's not running again, but I'm assuming they'll put in a conservative assembly person, you are still going to have a left leaning majority in that assembly.
1: You will, uh, I think that's a very fair statement that um, the people up on the hillside in, in the uh, lower hillside in South Anchorage are getting to be a little bit more liberal. We've got a lot of government workers. We have a lot of university workers like I mentioned earlier, medical workers. And so you, as your private sector shrinks and your federal dollars come in, the people who are voting, they definitely have something to defend, which is their federal paycheck right. or, their, or their grant paycheck that comes through the federal government. And we don't have enough uh, military voters in our city. They never vote for um, in the municipal election. So in spite of the fact that we have a good military community, um, they, they don't show up except for presidential elections, typically.
0: Gotcha. So I guess long term is the question is, is it my overarching question for you is this? Do you think that we have enough conservative voters out there in Anchorage that if they did show up, it would change election results or Are you thinking that many of them are maligned by the fact that, hey, you have mail-in voting now. I don't really believe in mail-in voting. I want to go to a poll. Or is there an apathy because there's maybe people feel so disenfranchised? I mean, is there an opportunity at some point where we – because it seems like we have more registered, I'll say, Republican, conservative, libertarian voters than we do Democratic or left-leaning voters in the city. And yet we see the turnout always going to the left side, the Democratic side. I'm just wondering what you think of that.
1: Yeah, when you when you have a 30% turnout, that is actually a pretty good turnout. But um, but really, we've got a lot of people who just don't pay attention to politics at the local level. I remember when I first moved to Anchorage. You know, I was raised in Juneau, and I never wanted to live in Anchorage until I until I was older, and I just needed a bigger city to live in. And when I came up to Anchorage, I didn't know who to vote for that first year. I looked at the ballot. and It's like, well, I don't know. There's Harriet Drummond. There's somebody else. And who do you vote for? Right. And I can't even remember who I voted for because I didn't know enough about him. I just sort of voted for whoever's sort of, I didn't do my research because I just I had just gotten here and I was just I had a lot going on. And that's the way life is for people. You know, there's right. just a lot going on. And you and I, we do this every day. Most people, they only, they only look at election news. You know the, the last couple of days before the elections right. that we're in and 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 our state is although we're getting older as a state our state still is young and so that's going to trend liberal anchorage is still a young city and and um so i think what we're we're in a generational change but we are going 10 years ago we had a a conservative assembly i mean just think of we had adam trombley we had you know dick traney we had we had a pretty conservative assembly and now it's um, it's actually just Marxist. So they always go too far. The Marxists always go too far. They always push so much further than people are really willing to go to. And we saw that with the bag ban where the public was very, very unhappy with that. And so, well, this too shall pass, Scott. They're going to push too far.
0: Well, I, I would agree with you. I, I don't think it's doom and gloom. I think people just need, you know, apathy is really difficult when your life is busy, like you said. So... Uh, I would agree with you. I I think the same thing is happening, and and it's a pendulum swing. And eventually, the pendulum swings back the other way. So, absolutely. Well, Suzanne, this is hundred. This is the hundredth episode.
1: Well, I'm pretty excited about that, and thank you everybody for joining us on this episode for our hundredth our hundredth episode anniversary. And we we said a few weeks ago when we just completed our first year that we're just going to do this again for another year because we're having so much fun. And Scott. I just really have had a great time getting to know you and listening to your podcast throughout the week is always really fun for me. And thank you so much for being part of the Must Read Alaska team. You're the best. Well,
0: I appreciate it, too. And again, I, I follow uh, the fearless leader, which is you. And I do feel like I ride the coattails and uh, it's been great to learn. And really, we do this because we want to provide you with an alternative to a mainstream media leftist narrative. That you get on a daily basis, you're inundated with this, and we're just, we're just appreciative that we have listeners and readers and supporters that see the value in this because there is a lot of value in it. You are getting a full scope of what's really going on, not just the left-leaning narrative that you get pushed on on a daily basis. And if, and if you want to help us continue to provide this type of content, which we do because we know you want it you can go to mustreadalaska.com and at the top right, there's a donation button up there. I want to encourage you, every little bit helps. It helps us to continue this operation. It's a small operation that has a lot of mighty power into it. Suzanne is a content machine. I'm trying to help out on the podcast side. And uh, we have a great ally with John Quick as well, who's a part of this team, who does a phenomenal job in a lot of different areas that I can't even describe to you because they're so complicated. But the bottom line is this, is that, you know, every bit helps when you donate. So go to mustreadalaska.com, go to the top right, you'll see the donation button up there. And we just we just want to thank you, all our supporters, listeners and readers in doing that. Additionally, if you haven't had a chance, all of our content can be found in a variety of different places. First, obviously, Facebook. We have YouTube, Parler, MeWe, Rumble, Twitter. We have the works there. And they're all under the the, uh, handle of Must Read Alaska, one word. So if you search that in the search, you'll find us. Uh, My suggestion, like us, subscribe to us, uh, follow us, the works. You're getting all that content there. So you can never miss a beat because Suzanne is pumping out stories because we got a lot going on in this state. So again, I want to thank everybody. Suzanne, I appreciate you doing this with me.
1: We'll see you soon. Absolutely.
0: Take care, care, Alaska.